Do you like the work we're doing here at It's All Journalism? For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us continue the conversation about good journalism. Show your support by donating to our Patreon campaign. Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to donate. That's the thing that, as this is a maturing industry and the barrier to entry is low, in the early days, we just haven't been seeing enough just really diligent editing, regardless of style. And so that, I think, is really going to start to come into the fold as this matures. I'm really excited about that. Welcome to It's All Journalism. I'm Michael O'Connell here with another podcast about digital media. This week, we're talking about podcasts again. On the phone with me today is Carrie Hoffman, the CEO of PRX, the public radio exchange, which is the home of Radiotopia and its many podcasts, including Radio Diaries, Song Exploder, and one of my new favorites, Millennial. Welcome to the podcast, Carrie. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, good. So my first question is a basic one. How did you end up at PRX? Well, I've worked at nonprofits really my whole career, and PRX is a nonprofit organization. So mission matters a lot to me. And in the early days of my career, I, I worked for the environmental organization Greenpeace. So that is also a very innovative and experimental organization. It certainly was at that time. And, you know, so I really, you know, got my start doing fundraising, money management, project management, et cetera. And so years later, you know, I kind of followed the nonprofit path. I lived in D.C., and um, I was hired by a strategic organization, Public Radio, and that's where PRX became a project before it was a standalone organization. So I was actually already in an organization, and then PRX was founded there. And when we spun PRX out, I went with them. So maybe what we should do is sort of explain what PRX is and, and how it is different than just regular public radio or podcasts that are distributed by public radio uh, companies. What is PRX? How would you describe it? We were founded in 2003 mostly to solve a problem. And the problem was, at that time, it seems like a long time ago in the Internet, <laughs> but the problem was that great radio shows were being aired once and lost forever. There was really no shelf, if you will, for independent work or work that was being produced at different pockets along the public radio system to be, you know, for evergreen content to find its way to new audiences. It just didn't exist. And there certainly was no economy to support it. So Pyrex was founded to solve that problem. And because we were so laser-focused on that, we made an early strategic decision to invest heavily in building technology. And that was a really smart choice because over time, we created the first mobile app for public radio. We created a distribution you know, system that really is the only one in public radio that rivals the satellite system. And therefore, we were also early adopters to podcasting. And so we're a nonprofit media company, and we distribute thousands of public radio shows throughout the system, all digitally, and we distribute some of the biggest shows in public radio, including This American Life, and Moth, and Reveal, On Being. And because we've worked with independents early in our career, we'd seen many of the pain points that independent producers were facing as they got into podcasting, and there was lots of failed attempts, or they would 
grow only so big and stall out. And one podcaster we worked with was Roman Mars, who was working on 99% Invisible in the early days. And so in 2014, we partnered with Roman to kind of solve those same problems for a wider group of people. And that was the birth of Radiotopia, which has just been a runaway success for us. And it's now, you know, with the latest ads, it's it's 16 shows, and they're all very strong and healthy and popular. And we've been able to create a really strong narrative around supporting folks who own their own content. And, you know, they're all independents. Yeah, what I like, and when I uh, was working on my book over the summer, I had the opportunity to talk to a couple of people who were involved in, in producing podcasts that, that under the Radiotopia banner, and one of them was uh, Megan from uh, Millennial. And, you know, I was really impressed with the fact that that was her show, and she had a, such a unique perspective that was, you know, sort of different than a lot of other podcasts that I'd heard. But it was all part of, you know, Radiotopia's... I know DNA in, in a strange way, even though it was separate, it, it kind of fit in that in that mix. Is that something you guys consciously do to look for, look for podcasts that kind of fit in this this sort of unusual mix of uh, podcasts? Absolutely, it's actually part of our our value system. You know, and, and it's not for everyone. There's lots of great podcasts being produced by production houses, and where the staff are employees, and the ideas uh, come from different places. Our model is to really support independent artists on their path or kind of their entrepreneurial path. I mean, we're supporting small businesses. You know, that's the contribution we make to this whole kind of industry. And we've made a conscious choice to trade kind of heavy control for more creativity. And, you know, that's just an important piece of what we really how we were founded and what we continue to do. And so, you know, for those entrepreneurs like Megan, whatever point of their career they're in, we're, we're really a great partnership for them because we, we help do the things that we do really well. You know, we're helping them plant seeds and grow and do what they do really well. A lot of people who listen to podcasts or maybe even sort of dream of starting a podcast, one of the things they don't always think about is, is the word being entrepreneurial. You know, that can be a, a hard thing to, to sort of get your head around. You might be good at telling stories and, and, and production and whatnot, but, you know, making a, a podcast, you know, sustainable and successful can be a real challenge. What is it that, that you guys do to help your podcasts? Yeah, there's another word I think that you left off, which is it, it can also be very lonely. Oh, um, God, yes. You know, it, you know that well. <laughs> um, and so what is your community and what is your network where you have a feedback loop? You know, we've been doing this since the early 2000s, and we've really had a front row seat at the kind of skills that are required now to be successful. You know, podcasters who are really on their own, or they have to be marketers and they have to be fundraisers and they have to understand the you know ins and outs of how to talk to people at ad agencies and have to be a designer. <laughs> I mean, so it's a whole suite of things, and and there are some that really have that whole package, and they really can like they're like a rocket ship. But more commonly, producers are great at their at their great sound engineers, they're great interviewers, they're great you know sound artists. And so what we do is we take care of all of that technology infrastructure that allows you to be distributed far and wide. And, you know, it's, it sounds like a, like a 
something simple because it's boiled down to one sentence. When we first start, when we first launched Radiotopia, we were amazed at how actually complicated and in some pockets rickety the technological <laughs> infrastructure was for podcasts. So we take care of all of that. We built our own ad serving technology. We hire a PR firm. We have marketing staff. We have a full, you know, accounting infrastructure that's based on you know, paying producers for work, because that's how we started out in the early days of PRX. We were paying hundreds of producers who were had their work licensed through PRX. And so that kind of infrastructure we, we've really perfected over, over many years. And so those two holes, that's a really solid partnership. And we mean to wrap our producers in the support they need in order for them to be the best that they can be. But it's a partnership. You know, we we have to work collaboratively on branding. We have to work collaboratively on the narrative and the stories we tell and on fundraising. But we really have the infrastructure piece of this to kind of envelop them in that support. Yeah. Now, I reached out to PRX because you just put out a release, you know, we're here at the beginning of a new year about nine major podcasting trends that you see in 2017. There were nine trends, so we're not going to go hit on all of them, but we can sort of jump around. But the first one I wanted to ask you about was trend number one, podcasts will be more important than ever as a resource for curious and lifelong learning. And so why do you think that? What is it? You know, There's lots of media out there competing with podcasts. What are podcasts? What can they do uniquely? I mean, the thing about about podcasts is that there are so many niches. So like, you know, you compare it to broadcast radio where that's a curated experience for you, right? Program directors are deciding which information that you get in any given day. And podcasts are like, they're like almost like, think of them as like bite-sized books. (laughs) And you can like go in a lot, you can go in a little, and it's niche, you can binge. It's got the intimacy of a real connection of experience. I mean, certainly we know how high the engagement is with our listeners. But, you know, one of the real fueling forces for podcasts is that they're mobile. We talk to people all the time who are using podcasts to efficiently absorb information that they need to do their work or an interest that they have, and they can do it while they're commuting. They can do it while they're in the grocery store. You know, you don't need to look at the screen. So it's a very efficient way for people to, like, travel down niches. Yeah, I see that. That's one of the certainly one of the strengths and one of the things that you you, you mentioned engagement. It's you know, you're the you're the person in that's the traveling companion with them when they're in the car. You you're in their ear when they're exercising and they're shopping. You know, you're their constant companion. That's one of the things I like about about podcasting is it's or at least for me it's it, it's it's everywhere. So one of the other trends you were talking about was that listeners will turn to podcasts as a source of comfort in troubling times. We've done a couple of podcasts around the election, but even leading up to the election, it was there's just a lot of, and it's not just the election, it's just a lot of things going on in the world that trouble a lot of people. What what do you think that podcasting can do to help people sort of deal with that? Well, I think a couple things, you know, as, as we were just saying, like there's this incredible variety. And so one of the great things that you can do is, you know, you can match your listening to your mood. <laughs> so, you know, we all need, you know, we all need that variety. We all need, you know, a little bit of comedy, a little bit of entertainment, a little bit of, you know, broccoli with the ice cream, if you will. <laughs> and so that's one of the things that I think is really important. But 
the real driver for this is the authentic voices and the intimacy and the relationship that people have with podcast hosts and producers. You know, there's a real connection that's very powerful that listeners have with the shows that they listen to. And it extends to social media, and it, and it extends to, like, you can take, you know, it's sort of both short form and long form all at the same time. That sort of uh, goes into one of the other podcasting trends that you say, which is podcast will set a bar for sound design and cin cinematic storytelling. You know, people don't always think about that. I mean, there are a lot of podcasts like mine where I, you know, I interview one or two people, and it's just, you know, back and forth. But, you know, certainly... PRX, Radiotopia, a number of your podcasts, well, all your podcasts are highly, highly produced, and, and many of them, you know, try out different sort of storytelling techniques. Do you see this as something that's going to continue, not just with what the podcast that you're putting, putting on, but in the podcasting industry and, and also the expectations of the audience as the, the medium grows? I do. I mean, I, I just think that quality... I mean, there are different reasons to consume different shows, right? And like I was saying, you know, sometimes you just need – sometimes you're, you're – it's an industry that you're interested in, and so you're absorbing information in a very efficient way. I listen to a whole bunch of, you know, finance and marketing podcasts that I do not need the level of sound design. But our shows are evergreen you know, they're really based in a narrative, and those are really enhanced with strong sound design. And we really stand by kind of the reality that in terms of evergreen content and narrative content, quality will win the day. I mean, the sound design really enhances the storytelling aspect of what we do. And, you know, many of our producers were, were trained in the public radio system, and this is really their lifelong art. I think it makes a real difference. Yeah, and, and that's something, you know, I had the opportunity to talk to a lot of different producers. You know, there are a lot of different approaches, but certainly many of them who are coming out of a public radio have this, you know, this experience of, of producing that type of content. But now they're in, in the podcasting space, and in many ways they're kind of freed up. They don't, they're not bound by the clock and the constraints of uh, public radio. They can go long if they want to, or they can challenge themselves to, to tell a story in a you know, more tightly produced uh, way. Yeah, and you know, I think that the one constant that's true in all forms of podcasting is really just being able to edit. <laughs> I mean, whether it's, whether, I mean, that's just like a, that's the thing that, as this is a maturing industry, and the barrier to entry is low. Um, we, in the early days, we just haven't been seeing enough, just really diligent editing, regardless of style. And so that, I think, is really going to start to come into the fold as this matures. I'm really excited about that. And that's something that, that I talked to several people when I was writing the book and researching the book who had that sort of take of, you know, there are a lot of podcasts out there that just seem people just turn on the mics and, and they talk, you know, back and forth. But, you know, even though that's, they seem loose, they actually are probably well edited. You know, it's the way it's done, the way it's presented, it's not apparent that, that how much work went into it, you know, behind the scenes. On the other hand, you'll listen to a podcast. Um, I'm trying to think of one. Well, something like, um, you think of a podcast <laughs> like Sound Exploder, which is, you know, very basic in its in its concept, but it's it's well-produced. Uh, you know, it's made up of multiple, multiple interviews and music, minimal narration by the host. It packs a wall up when you listen to it, and it, it's, it's, you know, completely listenable, listenable from beginning to end. 
It's totally true. I mean, Song Exploder is one of my favorites, too, and it's, it's both informative, it's a curated experience, and it's, um, it's transportive. So it, it hits all three of those, of those things that I think, you know, a good podcast can deliver in very short form. I mean, it's, that is a good example of a very short podcast. You actually don't need too much more. It's like a kind of a beautiful vessel. <laughs> but, I tr- you know, I use that podcast for music discovery, too. Yeah. So our shows are really multi-layered, and we think of them that way. Even though the audio is the main thing, it's, you know, I, I heard an interview recently with one of our shows, and somebody in the audience asked, you know, do you script to the tape you have, or does the tape, you know, do you write the script after you hear the tape, you know, that, that kind of question. Right. And, you know, and the answer is always the tape wins. The tape always wins, and then you, you work around it. And I thought that was really an interesting, and it, it, it rings true for my, to my ears when I'm listening. Well, right. You know, if you have a host that this can spend all their time talking, and I'll try to keep this brief, um, then, <laughs> then, then it's the guest who's the person, that, the most important person in the conversation, isn't getting as much space. You want to make sure that they're the ones who say the things that are important, because those, those are the people who want to, the listeners usually are going to come and hear. And the last trend I wanted to talk about was brands are getting into podcasting in more ways than ever. Now, brands were, were meaning basically companies that want to advertise or support podcasts in different ways. Why would you say that? What are you seeing the brands doing? I mean, the podcasting is a media event in and of itself these days. And so brands are taking notice of that. And podcasts are selected media. They're chosen explicitly by the listener which means that the fan loyalty and engagement is really different than browsing through the websites or even just passively listening to the radio in your car. It's, it has a different, it has a different characteristic. And so, so brands that are looking to make a connection to a, the brand of a show or the brand of a host, that can sometimes be a really powerful connection. And, you know, we, we know that our fans and this is probably true for other popular podcasts too. There's a there's a high success rate in what's really known in in um, advertising to be kind of the hardest lift, which is that direct response, like please go and you know I know you're listening while you're walking your dog, but please when you get back to your computer go purchase this thing and oh by the way put in this this code. <laughs> you know that's like a high bar, but the performance if we can perform well in that category. Well, then brands absolutely should pay attention to podcasting because it means people are listening, they're listening well, they're driven to action, and they're connected. Like this kind of thing is almost unheard of in traditional media. So, and what does that speak then to the sustainability and the long-term growth of of podcasting, do you think? Well, the way we look at it is, you know, we think of all of our revenue generation in a, like a kind of like a three-legged stool. So we need our corporate relationships are really important. Sometimes they're highly transactional. Sometimes they're not. You know, we recently did a fundraiser, which is probably the second leg of the stool. But we had corporate sponsors. We had FreshBooks give a donor challenge for that. And that's actually considered a donation from them. So we think, you know, we have to think about these things creatively and broadly. But we, our three-legged stool is sponsorship, donor and listener support, and also because PRX is a nonprofit organization, we also look for opportunities for grants. And sometimes that means 
for educational purposes. Sometimes it means for new show development. There's all kinds of, you know, ways that we can think about grant money as well. Yeah, I know we talked a little bit about quality and sound design, but I'm thinking about, you know, people who might be listening to this who are either podcasters or who want to do a podcast. You know, you listen to a lot of podcasts. What, what do you think makes a good podcast? You know, when you hear something, what does it make that makes you that goes, wow, that, that's really cool? That's a really good question, and it's a much better question than what sometimes people ask me is, which one of the Radio Toby shows is your favorite, <laughs> of which I cannot obviously answer. <laughs> which of your children do you like best? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But the way you asked it was very, very creative. And so when I choose to listen, I'm looking for the unexpected story, kind of like uh, it's one of the things I love about Criminal, which is it's sort of like it's not a straight crime podcast. It's sort of like the unexpected threads that happen in a crime story that you might not ever know about. And so I look for that, the unexpected. I look for, I personally consume podcasts that help me be a little smarter (laughs) at either my job or my interests. And so I'm always listening for that. I mean, I have TV and books that I can, you know, get other things from. So I, I find podcasts to be a good kind of way to get information in. And I guess the third thing is that sound design and that craft that you asked me about earlier, that is important to me. I listen to lots of podcasts that do not have that because they satisfy the other two things. But when when I'm looking at a new podcast that is a storytelling podcast, then that criteria is a is a really important one to me. It's got to sound good because I'm because I've got earbuds jammed in my ears, <laughs> and so it's got to it can't be jarring. It can't have levels that are all over the place. They have to use good equipment to record, and I'm looking for the sounds of the environment at which they're describing. Wow. Yeah, good storytelling. Good Take, standard storytelling. Taking advantage of uh, the, the strengths of, of audio as as an entertainment and an informative medium. Carrie, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate you taking the time out to talk to me. And I am going to spend some more time checking out PRX's uh, podcast, Radiotopia's podcast. Like I said, I listen to a couple of them. I really enjoy them. And uh, thank you. Well, thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed the conversation, and I feel very optimistic about podcasting future. I think we're still in the early days. I think that's really exciting because we, we get to unleash smart technology and good data and good creative content. And I, I, I'm just so excited about the next phase. Oh, wow. I didn't even talk to you about that. I, I'm a digital editor during the day and am, am constantly re invigorated by the data that we use to, you know, measure our audience and see what our audience is interested in. And, you know, I know that that's something that the podcasting networks and podcasters are are starting to take more advantage of. And it's it's really exciting to see that, you know, the lessons learned from just listening to your audience and seeing the way they interact with your content and, you know, catering content to sort of feed that that demand is is really exciting to me. Absolutely. You know, PRX 6 sits right at the nexus of, like, great content and technology. And so we, we feel like we've, I mean, when we look at this moment, we just kind of joke internally and say, wow, we were doing this when it was a lot harder. <laughs> <laughs> this is exciting. This is, like, we've got mobile phones and we've got, like, millions of radios in everyone's pocket. This is awesome. <laughs> so we feel very optimistic about the future. As do I. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Next time on It's All Journalism.
And this is usually where we put in a clip telling everybody what our next podcast is going to be. And uh, the fact is, we are going to have a podcast next week. And we actually have an interview, a very uh, interesting interview in the can. But uh, I'm trying to line up some other interviews in the next few days that are a bit more timely and have to do with a lot of the stuff that's going on in the news in the nation's capital involving journalists. So hopefully I'm going to have one of those for you next week, but be sure to check back with us on Thursday. We'll have a new podcast. Also, this is a good time for me to mention we're going to have a bunch of announcements coming up in the next few weeks about our future plans for the podcast opportunities for you to help support our podcast, different places for us, for you to find our podcast. So like I said, lots of interesting, exciting things opening up for us. And I'm looking forward to sharing that information with you. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about digital media. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Podcast One. This week's episode was edited by Nicola Grisco. Amber Healy provided our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music, and I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Hey, you've written a book. You can order copies of Turn Up the Volume, a Down and Dirty Guide to Podcasting on our website. Visit itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page. Isn't it time you started your podcast? Do you like the work that we're doing here at It's All Journalism? Now you can show your support on our Patreon page. Follow the link at the top of our website and donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you can access exclusive content and receive updates about upcoming episodes. Donate a little bit more and we'll send you a cool swag like our It's All Journalism mug or a signed copy of my podcasting book. There are even opportunities for you to submit ideas for future shows or even appear on an episode. Go to itsalljournalism.com and click on the Patreon link to find out more. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.